all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? <laughs> I'm Rachel. I'm David. And this is all bad things. <laughs> Follow us Insta, Twitter, Facebook at All Bad Things Pod. Email us allbadthingspod at gmail.com. Join our discussion group, the All Bad Things Discussion Group. Lots of good, good people. Yes. In that definitely. group. Yes. Um, I'm not on social media that much anymore, so I mm-hmm. I only mm-hmm. pop in there occasionally to see what's going on. That's okay. Lots of good things. Um, people everyone's just really, everyone's really nice in the group and yes, really they are. supportive yes and um very good at like sharing personal things and mm-hmm. looking for support it's it's really nice i think it's a really lovely group and on a personal well not really a personal note um well this episode's not coming out for another 10 days what's, yeah. what's today october 2nd Yes, and it is coming out October 12th, I believe. So on Monday, which was September 28th, 29th, Yes, <laughs> yes September uh-huh. 28th. Mm-hmm. The, uh, so congratulations to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Oh, <laughs> that's right. For winning the Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Messina, New York native, mm-hmm. also my hometown, uh, number 24, Zach Bogosian. Uh, got to raise the cup. He is. He will be the second Messina, New York native to have first? his. I cannot remember his name, but he was a coach on the 2015 Chicago Blackhawks. Oh, okay. And his name escapes me because he's like 10 years younger than me, okay. so I don't really know him. Uh, Zach Bogosian you... is also about 10 years younger than me, but I know his family. How I had funny. I had both of his aunts as teachers. Oh, so. is... Messina is such. It's so funny because for being such a small town, there are now two Stanley Cup winners and two more on that team are from the area I'm from. One was okay. from Canton. Okay. I think the other was from Potsdam, and they were both. One was a player, I think, and the other one was a coach. Okay. Um, yeah, three three different. Uh, North Country. Yeah, I was going to say, they grow, them, they, they, they grow them strong in the North Country. <laughs> Where I'm from, hockey players literally grow on trees. Like, you can... <laughs> well, I whatever, guess, whatever, yeah, whatever, per capita. Whatever you need. Like, a puck-moving defenseman, I'll take one of those. Mm-hmm. I'll take a two-way center. They're all over the place. But yes, he will be the first player uh, with his name engraved on the Stanley oh, Cup. Oh, wow, from Messina. Mm-hmm. Okay, nice. The other oh, guy was a coach. Not right. that that's a small feat. No, no, no. It's but, still uh, valid. But yes. uh, well, congratulations, Zach Bogosian. Mm-hmm. Very nice. And it was an excellent. It was fun just having hockey in August and September, <laughs> even though the ratings yeah. didn't show it. But oh yeah. well, I enjoyed it. I I have a terrible joke like brewing in my head. So um, uh, did did you hear about Zach Bogosian's um, little sister Pacific? No. Because it's a big ocean. Mm, that's really terrible. <laughs> There's a funny pun in there somewhere. Somewhere. Who knows, who knows if anybody will be able to find it. Oh, what you drinking? I'm drinking... What are we drinking? Yes, we are drinking the same thing. Noda Brewing, which is out mm-hmm. of Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Charlotte. Uh, gorgeous, which is their pumpkin ale. Mm-hmm. And it is very good. I forget if I've drank this 
on the air before, but it is. I think we have. I, I think it might be my current favorite pumpkin beer. Oh, yes. Yes, I definitely have because I'm pretty sure uh, somebody from Australia, who I can't remember at the moment, but I promised I would send you beer and I'm still trying to figure out how to do yeah, I'm not that sure how to, I'm not sure if that's legal. <laughs> so I even asked for your address. <laughs> your address and I haven't sent you a thing and I'm so sorry. I need to revisit that. Anyway, it is very good. Notice, Noda puts out good they beers. They do. Yes, they do. Yeah. I'm glad Charlotte is getting some distribution these days. Finally, yeah. yes. Because when we first, mm-hmm. uh, the first couple times we went there, mm-hmm. we were like, why isn't your beer in Raleigh? Just not, not along the distribution uh, routes yeah. at that point, but now so, it is. But anyway, yes. Yeah. Um, we're, we're not going to comment too extensively, but... Just to mention, because we are recording this so far ahead, um, we don't know what in the world it will turn into, if anything. Um, But we did learn today of uh, someone's... uh, (laughs) Someone in the executive branch, meaning the executive? Yes, uh, came down with the COVID. Mm -hmm. So I guess it's real now. Is it though? Is this just fake news? I don't know, it might be. You know... Yeah, anybody who listens to our podcast already knows our feelings about Donald Trump, so we don't really need to rehash it. And we also all don't... I'm all I'm going to say is karma is real. And what I want to say is no one is under any obligation to wish anyone well. That's true as well. And also, it doesn't matter what we wish or think or hope or pray because what's going to happen is going to happen. Yeah, that's and I'm, how it works. <laughs> I'm sure ultimately he'll be fine. He might not. He, I doubt he'll be fine long term. Mm. Um, well, this we have to be careful because this is going to come out like ten days after the fact. Who anything yeah, could happen between true. now and then? When was the last time? Well, the last time a president died in office would have been Kennedy, but he was assassinated. Like, died a um, natural death? I Roosevelt th- did. Oh, you're right. Yeah, it would be him. Yeah. Well, would it? Yeah. Truman didn't die in office. Nixon didn't uh, die in office. Harrison, William Johnson. William Henry Harrison. Oh, yeah. He died early in it. He died he, of, like, pneumonia. Right, because he was on. the guy that gave his, uh, his, his speech, speech out in, the rain. in, yeah, in, like, a downpour and yeah, caught and pneumonia. Yeah, freezing or something. Yeah, <laughs> and died, like, three weeks later. <laughs> Historians are, like, yelling at us. For, for yeah, they probably but are. But something like that. But, yeah, um, it, would, it would be Roosevelt, Roosevelt deaths, to, to yeah. die of natural causes. Yeah, I think so. Because every president after that... Has lived, or was one was assassinated. Yeah, Otherwise, everyone's it. lived. Yeah. So, yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not exclusive just for Trump, by the way. Right, right. No, I understand you meant, like, yeah, historically. Several of them. Um, so, this week's uh, topic and research is brought to you courtesy of our awesome listener, Ren, who goes by they and them. Um, and Ren is a smarty, 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 smarty mix, smarty person person. Okay. <laughs> For some reason, we have a lot of those. I know. Well, Ren is a straight up. Are those are uh, charts. What do we have here? Oh my goodness! So, I, I can, think can you my... for all the people who are doing research, just make it look as unprofessional as ours, <laughs> so we don't feel so yeah. bad. <laughs> yeah. Just cut and paste from Wikipedia, and that'll serve just Stop fine. Stop with the footnotes. Yeah. No, <laughs> we are kidding. Um. 
So, uh, no, Ren is legit. So Ren has uh, both a bachelor's and a graduate degree, uh, environmental science and sustainability, and bioproducts and biology stuff. That kind of stuff. (laughs) Yes. Like science and shit. Yes. Specifically, Ren says that they are... A water scientist by training. I didn't know there were water scientists, but I guess that there's makes sense. scientists yeah. for every for everything. Yeah, and that's not just like that's not just like you off run. I just am like that's impressive. So I'm gonna read you what they wrote. I mean, a whole like beautiful description of the Coriolis cor- oh, uh, Coriolis, Coriolis effect. Yeah. <laughs> Can't even pronounce it. So next time we do a hurricane episode, we need to read this, but. Um, uh, let's talk specifically about this nice little paragraph they wrote about water temperature. Okay. So, so is, do we have a title of the episode or are we getting into oh, that? Oh, I'm not even, I haven't oh, gotten okay. to that yet. Okay. No, no, this is just to show you how smart the person who oh, did the research okay. is. Just to put us to shame. Yeah. Um, I am a water scientist by training with a focus on the Great Lakes. Oh. Because they live near the Great Lakes. Sure. Uh, Water temperatures are typically warmest in August and September. This is because water has a much higher specific heat than land or air does. It takes longer for the solar radiation to warm the water. So, unfortunately, by the time summer is over, the water is just reaching its ideal swimming temperature. That is true. It's true on the St. Lawrence River as Mm -hmm. well. That's why algae blooms are usually worst in September when the water water is warmest. Similarly, because large bodies of water like these take so long to warm up, they also take quite some time to cool down in the winter. This is why some coastal areas have a milder climate than inland areas. The proximity of the water affects the air above it, which moderates the changes in temperature. Mm-hmm. Excellent. The Great excellent. Lakes are a really excellent example of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, yep. Now, here is something funny, because we were just talking about Franklin Roosevelt. Oh, yeah. This is an old one, and maybe you looked this up already, but a while ago I was listening to an episode where you and David were talking about how you weren't sure if it's Roosevelt or Roosevelt, right? I vaguely remember that discussion. Uh, Roosevelt. So, what we were talking about is it Roosevelt? either. I don't know. I know, right? So Roosevelt comes from the Dutch name Von Roosevelt, which means from or of the rose field. That's interesting. Which is kind of weird to me because of how tulips are way more common in the Netherlands than roses, but whatever. Anyway, the closest pronunciation to how it would be said in Dutch is Roosevelt. Sure. With a light roll on the R. Oh, so like Roosevelt or something like that. So make of that what you will. However you want to say it is probably fine. Dude's dead. (laughs) (laughs) He's been dead for a while. (laughs) Didn't even see the end of World War II. Right. And then they said of what they were going to do research of. Now here's the awesome thing. Not only is Ren a smarty, 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 smarty person person, um, but they are uh, someone who speaks some Dutch. Okay. Because they lived in Belgium for a year, and uh, they said they speak a dialect of Dutch there. So if you need help with Dutch pronunciation, please let me know. I will be including a pronunciation guide with my research. And they did. I have a whole separate pronunciation guide. Very nice. To refer to. I have a feeling that's going to come in handy. So now we know where our disaster is, right? The Netherlands? Yes. I don't think we've covered a disaster in the Netherlands. This might be our first visit, Maybe. right? I, I guess. I don't specifically remember anything. 
And certainly not that I... I mean, this is episode 171. I'm not yeah. sure you would remember. But I think it's our first Dutch disaster. Sure. Well, for now, we'll say that. Our so, apologies to the Dutch if we've already covered one. <laughs> so this is the story of the Harmelen train disaster. Ooh. Jeez, okay. we haven't done a train. I know. It's been a while. For sure. Oh, train I, incident in quite a while. I meant to say, um, so I know we are, le- so let's see, we did, um, we've gotten really political lately, <laughs> trying to say. Well, tis the season. Yes. And we are going to release a special political episode the day before election day. Um, at least that's the plan. We are? Yeah, I've told you about what we're covering. Oh, okay. I, I told I just, you. I totally I, told you. I hear things. <laughs> Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I do remember that now. Okay. Um, but, and then we did a bunch of political stuff recently. I mean, we talked about North Korea, which is inherently political. We did the purity panic, all that stuff. So I thought during <laughs> this bizarre bonkers election season leading right up to election day, like just, just before election day, I thought we might just get back to some good, plain, old-fashioned disasters. Sure. So we're going to be back to, for the next couple weeks anyway, we're going to be back to sort of some nice, good, standard disasters. And if I ever get the will to do research again. (laughs) 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 I I also have a political disaster in mind to cover. Okay. Um, And in fact, I think the next two topics I have planned are also in countries we've never been to before. Okay. All right. So I wrote a quick little intro uh, because Ren just jumped straight into Geography Corner. So I figured I'd just do a really quick little intro blurb. Sure. Otherwise, this is Ren's script. So uh, on January 8th, 1962, a train collision in... Oh, boy. That could be the name of the town. Okay. I found it. Harmelen, Utrecht, Netherlands killed 93 people. Wow. Utrecht. Utrecht. Oh, we're going to have so much fun. Look at how it's two pages, this pronunciation guide. And next week's not going to be any better. I I uh, trust me. Like, it's going to get bad. I trust you. (laughs) So we're going to start with geography. Is that what this is? Yeah, this is next week's. Mm Okay. Mm-hmm. Don't no, <laughs> We're recording it tomorrow, so it's not going to matter. Yeah. All right. So the Netherlands, sometimes called Holland, which I never really understood. Mm-hmm. I'd, okay. I'd never have either, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Is a country in Western Europe that borders Germany to the east, Belgium to the south, and the North Sea to the northwest. The Kingdom of the Netherlands further includes three Dutch island special municipalities. Basically, they're like counties or provinces but they're semi-independent i'm gonna need this already oh they did it um sequentially perfect um in the caribbean aruba curacao and saint martin okay saint martin yeah heard of those the netherlands together with belgium and luxembourg form an area known as the low countries this name came about because much of the land in this area, often referred to as Benelux, a portmanteau of Belgium, Netherlands, Luxembourg, that's cute, is below sea level or slightly above it. Oh, we did the one that was off the coast of the Netherlands, wasn't it? The the undersea uh, 
I don't remember. The, it was listener research. Oh, my goodness. You'll think I, of it later. Oh, uh, no, I won't. Uh, Ringholden or Rungholt. Oh, Rungholt. yes. Okay. I yeah. think that was off the Netherlands. I just remember doing it. I don't remember <laughs> I know. specifics. Anyway. Uh, anyhow. Uh, we've been taking care of children a lot lately. We have. Maybe that's why. Uh, only about... Which 50- just reinforces why we don't have any. <laughs> only about 50% of the land in the Netherlands is more than one meter or about three feet above sea level. Wow. And about 17% of it is below sea level. It it's like the whole like damn, Florida. I was going to say like the whole damn country is like New Orleans almost. Mm, mm-hmm. This includes the Amsterdam Airport, which is three meters or 11 feet below sea level, mm. which is hella weird. Much of the land that is below sea level, called polders, was land reclaimed from the sea. The Dutch are so good at draining water from low-lying land and turning it into habitable areas that in 325 BCE, the Greek geographer Pythias wrote, More people there died in the struggle against water than in the struggle against men. Interesting. It is. It's always so interesting, like how people choose where to settle, you know, back in olden times and some of the places they chose to settle are a little unsettling. Yeah. <laughs> or just why. Mm. But then again, it was, you know, they didn't have cars and planes and stuff like that. So you just kind of squatted wherever. Yeah. Like where you ended up. And like, right? oh, I killed a deer. We're going to make camp here. Mm-hmm. And just stay forever. <laughs> Due to the Netherlands' location and the influence of the North Sea and Atlantic Ocean, the climate is fairly mild. In the winter, daytime temperatures range from 2 to 6 degrees Celsius, which is 35 to 43 Fahrenheit. In the summer, they experience daytime temperatures from 17 to 20 Celsius, or 63 to 68 Fahrenheit. Oh my god, that sounds... It's not nearly warm enough. Perfect! No, that's my ideal weather. Just above freezing in the winter... I'm like in the 60s in the summer. No. I love it. Love it. The average annual temperature is about 10 Celsius, 10 degrees Celsius or 55 Fahrenheit. There are about 20 rainy days every month, but the big thing is wind. Some areas experience an annual average wind speed of 27.4 kilometers per hour or 17 miles per hour. You can find videos online of very strong winds in the Netherlands sweeping people off their feet. It's bonkers. <laughs> wow. It's funny. Sounds that, like fun. Yeah. I feel like wind is one of those things that you don't hear about all that much. Like, I know Chicago is called the Windy City, mm-hmm. but I, I swear in Boston, Massachusetts Avenue, Mass Ave is a fucking wind tunnel. Like, massively so. I remember uh, walking down Commonwealth and then turning down Mass Ave, and every time just, like, yeah, it's that's prob- what I'm saying with my hands. <laughs> Basically, yeah, wind tunnels. So windy. All right, so history corner. The Netherlands have been inhabited since at least 250,000 years ago, so this is going to be a very abbreviated history. Celtic culture and the Celtic people came to the area around 450 BCE and were subsequently supplanted by Roman, inva- by Roman invasion around 57 BCE. To the north, however, Germanic tribes maintained control of the area. 
After the collapse of the Roman Empire, the Franks moved into the area, then Vikings in the Middle Ages, and finally the Netherlands was organized as a loose confederacy of private kingdoms headed by powerful local nobles around 870 CE. The Netherlands were under Habsburg rule, sorry, there was an extra B in there I wasn't expecting, from the 14th to 16th centuries, and after the Dutch Republic declared independence in 1581, the Dutch Golden Age, which included most of the 17th century, saw a huge expansion of the Netherlands as a seafaring and economic powerhouse. Remember, New York City used to be called? Do you remember? Uh, hang on a second. Uh, God. New, uh, New Amsterdam. Yes, yeah. exactly. It's a, a fine gin. Mm, yes, it is. Or vodka. What do they make? New Amsterdam? Do they make both? I think they make both. They yeah. might. In more recent history, the Netherlands remained neutral in World War One. I. I didn't know that. But were invaded by Nazi Germany on May 10th, 1940. The, con- uh, the country was occupied by German forces until most of the country was liberated in 1944, although they then suffered a debilitating famine. Hmm. Side note, the Dutch Resistance Museum in Amsterdam is really cool. Eh. Okay. I definitely want to go to the Netherlands one day. Yeah, I do too. For sure. The post-war period saw a great deal of social and cultural change, eventually leading to the depillarization, basically the eliminating of social, cultural, religious, etc. barriers between various groups of people of Dutch society in the 60s and 70s. That sounds... That sounds good. (laughs) (laughs) I like the sound of that. We should have thought of that. (laughs) In the modern day, the Netherlands are known as a very progressive and liberal country with very tolerant laws on recreational drugs, LGBT rights, euthanasia, and abortion, among other subjects. Their government consists of the king and the council of ministers, with the prime minister as the head of the government. I want to say that that... uh, um actual hair like heroin heroin not like pharmaceutical heroin mm. which is also heroin but uh-huh. um ah. i want to say that um that is the only place in the world where it's legal really well i think so i thought in spain they decriminalized I, all well, drugs decriminalized that's different from legal you're right well did, did they decriminalize or did they legalize in spain remember didn't I, michael I, moore go there in that um that documentary where he went to different places in the world about like okay their healthcare system is better here their education system is better here mm, um y- you're right that there those are two big different thing or different things but yeah that's true because decriminalization is one thing legalizing is <clears> another <throat> because i know in spain i'm pretty sure i could be completely wrong on this but i think it's something like you don't get sent to jail you get sent to rehab so I there has that's to be also, some form of law. I think that's also in the Netherlands, but well, I could be wrong. Well, then there I has to be, be some form of law to enforce that. I guess. So maybe it's not legal, but it is decriminalized with only rehabilitative, um, I, which I'm all for. Yeah. I think that's fantastic. And I am A-OK with my tax dollars going to help people break addiction. Like, I think that's a fantastic use of funds. The, um, the, but those those people are morally reprehensible, so they cannot be saved. <laughs> That's what Jesus said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know Jesus. Yeah. He was all about contingent or, support and or, love. <laughs> or the uh, or the people that speak for Jesus. I'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. That's more like it, yeah. yeah. 
Uh, Dutch is the official language of the country, and secondary official languages include West Frisian, sure, English, and something. Uh, Germanic. I, I think I'm on my own with this one. <laughs> Papium and two. Sure. And this one is in the Caribbean. Okay. The 2020 population is estimated to be. You want to Samsonite this? How many people do you think live in the Netherlands? I'm gonna this go year? with like I'm gonna go with like 10 million. You're not horribly horribly <laughs> off. 17 million four hundred eighteen thousand eight hundred. Yeah, okay, close enough. Yeah, with about what's another seven million people? <laughs> 2.4 million people living in Amsterdam, the capital. Just to give a perspective, that is pretty much the population of the tri-state area. Of just one corner of our country, the tri-state area being southern oh, Connecticut, seventeen point four northern million, New yeah. Jersey, mm-hmm. and the New York City area. That's how many. Is people. it even that much? I feel like the New York broader metro area might be seventeen point four million. It could be, but in, We've in about one little population yeah, here. It's in like over one, ten. In one little sliver of our country, we have more people than this entire country. Or is New York up to twenty now? I don't know. Something. There's a mm. lot of people there. All right. The Netherlands is the 12th most densely... It is a small area. It's a small Mm -hmm. country. 12th most densely populated country in the world and the second most in the EU. The Dutch... (laughs) I love this. Ren knows us. The Dutch are the tallest people in the world. 36% of people... Yeah, I guess. 36% of people use bicycles as their main mode of transport and weed is legal. I'm a fan of this entire setup. Yes. So am I. (laughs) Except the height thing. I might be pretty short over in the Netherlands. Also less blonde and blue eyed. (laughs) They they are very good at at football over there. So maybe their height has something to do. Mm. I I don't know. Long legs, good for running. Good for riding a bicycle too. Sure. I wonder, because I have unusually short legs, I wonder if... I wonder if that would make me better at bicycling there or worse. Only if you were going up a hill. (laughs) Or if the bicycles would even maybe not fit me. (laughs) Well, they're not born six feet tall. (laughs) (laughs) I can use a child's bike. (laughs) At least I hope not. (laughs) Uh, Oh, Dutch fun facts. Stuff you don't have to read out loud, but is fun to know. Totally reading them out loud. Probably most people think of windmills, wind shoes, and weed. <laughs> I definitely thought of, of the, the last two. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a lot of cool stuff beyond that. Stroopwafels. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Stroopwafels. I've been pronouncing it wrong the whole time. My parents With, love these I was these just going to say, yeah. Yeah, stroopwafels. Yeah. They are good. Mm-hmm. Those are the uh, things you put on top of your coffee. Yeah, right? yeah so well, let good. me read what they had to say about it. So stroop means uh, syrup. Do you say, oh, sorry, I'm trying to figure out what to do with my legs here. Do you say uh, syrup or syrup? Syrup. Syrup, me too. Uh, so stroop waffles are like waffle sandwiches. Yes, very, two little, two thin wafer. They are very good. Waf- <laughs> waffle wafers, mm. wafer waffers. Uh, more like a waffle cone than an ego waffle, that's true. Filled with a sweet, thick filling, usually something like caramel or honey. They do sell, they even sell them at Harris Teeter here. Do they? Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Stroopwafel. Well, i have to tell my parents. They love those. Yeah, they're not stroopwafels. They're stroopwafel. You put them on top of a hot uh, but, uh, hot mug of tea or coffee, wait a few minutes, and then munch on them while you drink. This makes the syrup inside warm and soft. They're so good. Uh, Yenever. Yes. Yenever is a Dutch liquor. 
a juniper flavored drink. Ugh, I don't know about that. Is it more like gin juniper or is it like know. gross juniper? That becomes the precursor. Oh, that became the precursor to gin when it was introduced to Britain. At Christmas time, you can get shots of your neighbor at Christmas markets, and they usually have a bunch of flavors, sort of like how you can get flavored vodka in the U.S. That's hilarious. Famous Dutch artists include painters like Vincent van Gogh, Johan Vermeer, and Rembrandt van Rijn. I hope I pronounced that right. You know, hopefully. Are you looking up Dutch uh, hockey players? I, I was just curious. Uh, I've never heard of any of these people but uh apparently daniel daniel sprung is from, is from the netherlands is from amsterdam mm. uh currently not playing in the nhl it looks like he's in the ahl but he played for washington pittsburgh and anaheim are there any other dutch players uh ed ed kia that's a black and white photo and is but judging by his haircut he played in the 70s <laughs> uh ed beers love the name lots of ads uh and john wensink Okay. Well, there you have it. Ed Beers was born in Zwag. <laughs> 6'2", 195 pounds, Education University of Denver. There you go. Played. I wonder if he if he's short in the Netherlands set 6'2". <laughs> Probably not. It's, it's not like they're the, the engineers from the, the Prometheus movie. <laughs> uh, here's another fun fact. The Netherlands won the 2019 Eurovision Song Contest. I still don't know what Eurovision is. I don't know what that is either. I hear it song, come up again. I know. They made a whole like spoof movie about it. I still don't know what Eurovision anyway. Uh is it like their version of American Idol or something? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> we probably sound really ignorant saying that, but um <laughs> Well, we don't we we had to cut costs and the, the Dutch cable bill had to be one of them that, that went. <laughs> it's true. Uh one word, and this is something that I saw in the Amazing Race once. Uh Fearleapen, Fearleapen, which is perfect. It means canal leaping. It's the Netherlands' oldest sport. Basically, you find a canal, stick a really long pole into the middle, get a running start, and use the pole to vault yourself across the canal. Do you remember the Amazing Race with this? No, they've done it at but... least once. I think they've done it twice. And the failures are the most heartbreaking failures ever. Because these poor people who are exhausted and sleep-deprived, because that's what the Amazing Race is, right? Like, have to clear this canal with a giant, like... Do you think that was the original title of the show? What? (laughs) These these poor people who are (laughs) sleep-deprived. And they had to do it again and again and again. I might remember that. Have you ever tried to pole vault? No, I've never done anything athletic. pretty hard. Um, I made one successful attempt out of That's when you have the pole that you go over the pole. Like you well, it goes into to, the ground yes. and you spring up over it. And it really bends. Yes, it does. Do and yeah. it's really weird when it kind of gives under. Well, you. no, when it takes you up in the air because it kind of. <laughs> yeah. Because like you're basic physics, but it's scary. Because you're. Um, that's not vertical. Horizontal. Horizontal, <laughs> horizontal to the ground for. Yeah. It's kind of like lying down when you're. It's kind of scary. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to tell me. Yeah. I don't. And do I, I tried to do it. I think. I think my only successful attempt was like off getting over like an eight foot pole, yeah. something like that. That feels very tall. <laughs> but in the, in the Olympics, they're doing shit that's that. Those poles are like twenty, twenty five oh feet God, high. Oh my God! That yeah. is. But then, no, what do you land you. in? A on? mat. You oh, land on oh, a mat. Oh, okay. Yeah, you I don't land. Like... You don't land on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> I had a very different vision of pole vaulting. I guess. That'd be a little cruel. 
<laughs> See, was that in track and field or something? Mm-hmm. Did you try? Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I never did it, but you know, we did have an area, and I was because I only did uh, sprinting when I was in track and field. Mm. So you had plenty of time to dick around. Mm. So I tr- tried pole vaulting. <laughs> so fear leaping. Uh, it started as just another way to get across a small canal and turn into a national sport. And they put video links. We'll have to look at those. I wonder if any of them are the uh, amazing race. Oh, boy. I turned the page. So now we're into... Okay, let's get on to bad things. Yeah. Mm. Well, we delayed it as long as we could. Yeah, right? <laughs> we did pretty good. Yeah. On, so here's kind of the uh, intro a little bit. On Monday, January 8th, 1962, two trains collided nearly head on in what is still Jesus. the worst. I know. Worst railway disaster. Happen? Well, we'll find out. In yeah. the history of the Netherlands with 93 dead and 52 injured. Jeez, I'm surprised that's all it was. A, a head on train collision? Head on. The fuck? Uh, Ladbroke Grove wasn't even head on. No. Was it? That was like. The, one of the came off the rail? Somehow, I think you're right. it switched tracks at the wrong yeah, place something or something like, like that. that. Yeah, it didn't hit another train. Yes, it did. Did it? Yeah, that was a collision, but I don't think it was head on. Well, I think I it was know. like a swipe. Well, even a head-on collision in a car is pretty rare. I mean, it really is. Yes, because not often are two cars headed towards no. each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and, and even if they, they and even if they are, up. somebody's gonna make a move at the last mm-hmm. second. You know. I remember when I was a kid and discovered what chicken was. What? And how scared the game chicken? Oh yeah. How scared? <laughs> not yeah. the bird. <laughs> no, no, no. The, the game. The game. I played it. Yes. Not in a car. In what? Oh, all kinds of shit. Like in hockey, you know, hockey practice. Well, you just run into each other. That's well, not... you could, but do you really want to run into somebody going full speed at like thirty miles you, an hour? Did you ever hit anybody? Did neither probably. of you ever chicken out? Yeah. You don't remember because you don't got remember, concussed probably. at the time. <laughs> All right. I'm pretty sure I've done it in a golf cart, too. <laughs> Such terrible ideas. Oh, my goodness. All right, so let's talk a little about trains in the Netherlands. The National Railway, which was founded in 1938, is called... That thing you do. Nederlanda Spoorwegen. Oh, is it really good. kind of... Nederland... Nederlandse we apologize to our the three Dutch listeners whose ears are bleeding right now. <laughs> hey, I pronounced VOC at one point, which is the uh, dusty Dutch. Dust, I can't even say it in English. Dutch East India Company. Remember in the um, Roanoke episodes, I said that, and I was told by our listener Tanya that I did quite well with the Dutch on that, and I practiced that. I didn't practice any of this. So. <laughs> um, so that is in English Dutch railways. <laughs> There you go. It's also often shortened to NS. So NS is owned by the government. The totals, which socialism, like if you want to see how terrible socialism is, just look at all the unhappy tall people. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. That ride bikes. Yes. Uh, The total system length is 3,223 kilometers or 2,003 miles of track. That's almost coast to coast here. Uh, two thirds of the way, yeah. but it's a much smaller country. Well, sure. so that's a shit ton of of tracks. But imagine if we had that. Though. I oh I mean, my god, I know. Ugh. 
I mean, it's not like we don't have trains. They're just not... No, David, we need to privatize it all and have Elon Musk figure out the super secret underground uh, speed train or whatever he's the working fuck he's on it. trying to do. Um, but yeah, I like, it would be... And we're, we are the United States. We're supposed to be like the grandest nation. That, like, Why can't we have a fucking high-speed train that goes from here to L.A. or some David, shit like that? David, we are that? not yet great again. No, well, that's true. I mean, it's only been four years. But that's what makes me envious of Europe. I know. I, I know. Infrastructure. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Huh? It must what? be nice to have infrastructure. Well, we, we do have it. Just It's, it, <laughs> it's it, crumbling. It, well, no. It just revolves around a car or a plane. That's it. Well, about 4,800 domestic trains run every day, serving 1.1 million passengers or about 438 million people every year. Jesus. And now those are pre-COVID numbers. Makes sense. The Dutch rail network is presently the busiest in the EU. What are you thinking of? That um, doesn't matter. Go okay. <laughs> the third busiest in the world after Switzerland and Japan. Hmm. Huh. I'm not sure I would have pegged Switzerland in there, but I don't know much about Switzerland. Japan makes sense. I know that they're known for their trains. Are they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. like they're Well, they're known for a lot of their infrastructure. I mean, <laughs> by me, they're known for a lot of their infrastructure. That just doesn't mean a whole lot, but... Uh, when I took my year of Dutch class, we spent an entire week on the train system. Wow. I thought, surely this must be overkill. Nope. I can talk more fluently about train delays than I can ask where stuff is in a grocery store. <laughs> so Harmelin. Mm, Harmel, I did it right. There you go. Harmelin. Yeah. I'm so impressed with myself temporarily. Uh, where our disaster takes place is located about 31 kilometers or 19 miles south of Amsterdam and 44 kilometers or 27 miles east of The Hague. Oh, we've brought up The Hague we before. Have, yeah. Such a like familiar name with... It means something. <laughs> it is a small village with about 8,200 inhabitants and the train line from Utrecht to Rotterdam. Rotterdam. No, Rotterdam. Rotterdam? Dam rhymes with bomb. It is not dam as in dam. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's more like Dahmer. Rotterdamer. <laughs> as in Jeffrey. Uh, Rotterdam runs... I don't know if... It didn't say to roll the R. Maybe I'm getting mixed up with Spanish. Probably. Rotterdam runs through the village. Technically, the disaster took place near the hamlet of... Those places? The Putkop. Kop. The Putkop. But the Putkop was incorporated into Harmelin. I don't know why I did that. Harmelin. Harmelin in 1964. Oh, okay. So this <clears throat> happened in 62 and very shortly afterwards, the Putkop be, like, became part of Harmelin. So, okay. Two trains were involved in this event. Slow train 464 from Rotterdam to Amsterdam, which consisted of six... I wonder if it's Amsterdam. Anyway. Uh, Which consisted of six carriages and had about 180 passengers on board. Driven by... A person. A human being. Whose name is... Peter... Victor. Peter Victor. Can I see that? Yeah. Right there. Where? Peter Victor. You needed a translation for that? 
Well, it's T O O R. I would have said Pieter no. Victor. Well, you don't watch as much hockey as I do, so. No, I don't. I'm, I'm, used, to, I'm used to these strange <laughs> names. Should I just let you read the rest of it sure. without the pronunciation guide, and I'll call you out on all your mispronunciations? Yeah. Well, plus they, she, they mm-hmm. have it phonetically here, so. Well, yes, that's. But you laughed at me for have, looking at it. No, I've laughed at you for Peter. What's his name again? Peter Victor. Victor. Yeah, Victor. Oh yeah, yeah. like you would have gotten. I would have. It. Yes. Oh hush. Like again, this is where you know watching lots of hockey comes in the comes in handy. I can pronounce names that have twenty-seven syllables in them. Name one. I don't think one exists. <laughs> That's like that uh, Welsh town that has like a name yeah, longer I've than seen the alphabet, that, yeah. and it's all consonants. Yeah. The other train was Express Train One Sixty Four from Leo Varden. Leo Varden. Oh my goodness! I'm gonna make you be the one to do it. It where, looks where like Leo Warden. Where are we? I don't see it. Oh, right. Vorden? No. Where? Le- Leo Varden. Yeah, Leo Varden. Leo Varden. Yeah. Yeah, you would have said that exactly like that. I probably would have said Leo Varden. Yeah, see? Yeah. Jeez. But, but yeah, that would have been close to enough. To Rotterdam, which consisted of 11 carriages and had about, oh boy, 900 passengers on board. Oh, wow. Driven by Peter Van Duller. Sure. Peter Van Duller. It wasn't driven by Ed Beers? <laughs> I don't believe so. Um, I will refer to them as the slow train and the express train. Okay. Okay. So I'm guessing the express train is traveling much farther distances. That would be... Well, or the slow train might be making more frequent stops. Oh, that's true. And the express is going between like... From just one shot to one one place to another. I mean, that's what it means here in the States. Typically is that you make fewer stops on an express. At the Harmelin Rail Junction, the usual sequence of events is that the express train... Follows a track toward. Oh boy. <laughs> Is that the name of the place? Yes. Brekelen. 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 You may just have to find a video on this one. Okay, well, we're calling it Brekelen. Brekelen. <laughs> that crosses over the tracks that runs from Utrecht to Vorden. <laughs> The slow train waits for the express train to pass. Okay, slow train waits for the express train to pass. Well, that makes sense because the express sure. train is just going through and then continues over the junction. Aided, okay, so it's a it's an intersection. Aided by light signals that tell drivers to go, green, slow down, yellow, or stop, red. The signals are in a central signal box managed by a traffic controller. And we have a diagram. Here is a basic diagram of the railway from an edition of Young Historians Write History. Okay. So here is, you can see uh, Mm -hmm. where there's the intersection Mm -hmm. there. Uh, The slow train would be coming from the bottom track on the left, heading on the curve track to the top of the image. The express train would be coming from the top track on the right, going straight. Okay. Note that the I express see where the, uh, train... I see where the head-on is mm-hmm. going to take place. Note that the express train would have had all green signals if it had been on time and the slow train had red signal. Okay. 
What are you looking for? I'm trying to make sure I keep all my stuff. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to keep this diagram out, though. On this morning, however, things did not go as planned. The land where the accident occurred was a polder. I said it before, but they didn't. Can you speak it into the mic? Here. Yeah, you're you're getting on me for doing that, really. <laughs> um, polder, yes, polder, polder. Okay. As I wrote about above, an area reclaimed from the sea. Okay, so a polder is like a place that was underwater that they drained. Okay. There was a dense fog in the area that morning, which severely reduced visibility. The express train was supposed to pass the Vorden station at 9.14, but it did not because it was running six minutes behind schedule. Uh Uh-oh. Since the express train had not yet reported to dispatch in the area, the dispatcher, J.S. Kvadkenbos, gave the go-ahead, oh boy, Mm. gave the go-ahead to Victor for the slow train to proceed through, through the crossing. The slow train departed the station shortly afterwards around 9.15. Oh, wait, so it worked? Well, let's see. We have more diagrams. Oh, oh, it was it was approaching that area. Okay. By 9.18 a.m., the slow train had passed the last signal for the Harmelin connection and reached the crossing with Brekelen, with the Brekelen line at about, ooh, 75 kilometers per hour, 47 miles per hour. Right at the same time, oh, the express train approached the Harmelin connection and automatically reported to the traffic controller. The train, this train was traveling at 125 kilometers per hour or 77 miles per hour, the maximum speed the train could go in order to make up for some of the delay. The express train passed the yellow slowdown signal that preceded the red stop signal for the crossing, but likely due to the heavy fog in the area, Vanderlier, wait, oh, Vandulaire, sorry, did not see the yellow signal, did not realize there was another train in the way, and continued on mm. toward the line crossing while maintaining his speed. And here is, is exactly what we feared. A little diagram. Yeah. Jesus. Mm. So one train is kind of, and the, curving. Right. And the fact that it was a head-on collision is also kind of strange because you would think this would be a T-bone. Right. Yes. Incident. Because essentially it, it's an intersection. Like, I mean, they if this was a head-on collision. Precision of timing. Exactly. Like it couldn't have. One in a million timing chances. If either right? of these trains were a second off, it still would have been a collision. Yes. Just not head-on. Right. Wow. One minute later. At 9.19 a.m., Vondelaire noticed the red signal and applied the brakes. Mm. It was too late. The Mm. two trains collided nearly head-on. The express train was traveling at 107 kilometers per hour, about 66 miles per hour at the time of the collision. The engine of the express train was thrown from the tracks off to the right, while the first passenger carriage of both trains pretty much sliced through each other. Jesus Christ. The next four carriages of the express train derailed, 
dragging along the slow train. That's true, because they're still mm, moving. They're still, they're they still, don't momentum. Yeah. The final six God. carriages remained on the track. As for the slow train, it pretty much slid under the express train. The first carriage was totally destroyed. The second was torn open along its side. And the third was mangled and pulled from the track. The last three carriages remained on the track, although they were damaged by the sudden stop. Oh, my God. So here's like a... Mm-hmm. Mm. But I do need to read after that. Mm. I know you're used to me just being like, yes. here, take it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. You know what sucks? At the time of the disaster, automatic train control systems that could have avoided this were being tested, mm. but had not been installed on the track in the area. I'm, I'm sorry, in, the trains. what year was this? 1963? 62. Oh, 62. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very early 62. Uh, January. Victor and Victor uh, <clears throat> and were killed immediately on impact. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, well, they were in the <laughs> they were both engines, driving, yeah. yeah. Along with many passengers in the first cars. Yeah. 91 people died and 54 people were seriously injured, two of whom later died in the mm-hmm. hospital, bringing the final death toll. <laughs> Call back. Hashtag body count to 93. So 91 died on the scene. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense that a couple people would At have passed away in the, in the hospital. That's, yeah, that's not unusual. Hmm. That's so sad. All right, so Victor and Vandelaire. Oh, wait, I literally just said that. Okay, I was going to look up this new name. Hold on. Okay. Pete Dykstra. Oh, is that where, what's his name, Dykstra? Lenny Dykstra? Bruce Dykstra? Where Lenny. Is, There's, is it Lenny Dykstra? Yeah. Is it Lenny Dykstra? Yeah, well, he was a baseball player, but I doubt he has it in relation to Bruce. But who's Bruce Dykstra? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I just named it up. I made it up. Okay. This must be where Dykstra comes from. It's spelled sure. differently, but it's pronounced the same. D-Y-K-S-T-R-A? All of that except instead of a Y, it's I-J. Oh, okay. So it's just like Dijkstra? Dijkstra. Dijkstra? Dijkstra. Oh, okay. Interesting. Pete Dijkstra. One of the survivors of the crash was 18 at the time. He was on his way to work that morning. He later recounted his experience. Quote, the first minutes after the collision, there was not much to see outside because of the fog and dust oh, clouds. Oh, sure, that's true too, yeah. After the dust settled, it turned out there that we were on top of a huge mess. Right in front Jesus. of our window was a twisted train with at least three bodies in between them or whatever was left of them. Mm. Another survivor, Kos Hawk. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kos Hawk. Then 28 years old, had decided to take the train to work that day specifically because of the fog. Otherwise, he would have driven there by car. Can you imagine thinking, oh, this will be safer? (laughs) Well, statistically, yes. yes, Much safer. He chose to take the train because it was, quote, safe, fast, and cheap, end quote. He recalled, quote, suddenly I felt that the train was breaking very hard. Oh, God, I thought, and closed my eyes in shock. When I opened them again, people were laying on me, and I was laying on people. I saw loose limbs, a loose head, a woman with her chest completely open. I didn't realize all those people were dead. I just thought, I have to get out of here. Oh, my God. Uh, Kos escaped by crawling from the wreckage. He said that the area was, for a few minutes, completely silent. 
Sure. Quote, that was the worst part of the accident, that silence. So ominous. It lasted two, three minutes, and then the screams and scream broke out. The men also howled like bulls. End quote. Ugh. He focused on getting away from the trains and kept repeating to himself that he had to call his wife because, quote, or because he, quote, had learned in the service that you could prevent shock by constantly thinking about something. Hmm. End quote. It's very interesting. Yeah. It's probably just like a hyper focus, right? If you hyper focus, you can kind of block out. Sure. A yeah. lot. Absolutely. Um, I have like six piles here. Why do I have six piles? I'm not sure. We have pictures of things. Here they are. Oh, I need to catch up. So here's the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. Reference images. Sorry. And then I missed these. Uh, Harmelin. Okay. There. There's Amsterdam, Rotterdam, and The Hague. Uh, oh, Jesus. Pictures of the collision. Wow. Jeez, one of the trains after the collision. The collision. This is. This looks awful. It looks like a zipper that went. Kind of does. That one. That literally went off the track. Mm. Oh my god. Wow. They're like parallel to each other, basically. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, mangled. Holy shit. Yeah. There's nothing. There's there's nothing left of that train car. Oh my god. Oh, carrying the wounded away. Jeez. Oh, that must be a memorial. Okay. The first ambulance arrived around 9.35 a.m., and volunteers with the Red Cross came soon after with coffee. Although this was a fairly quick response, only about 15 minutes after the collision, and that's 1962. Yeah, that is a quick response, yeah. The rescue attempts were not well-coordinated, and they did not have adequate equipment. The collision site was also difficult to reach with vehicles, and even by foot. Well, the tracks and stuff, I imagine. Nearby companies in Harmelin were contacted and asked to lend cutting torches and other heavy tools for the first responders, and many local residents immediately offered help to the survivors. You know, that's something you hear a lot. Of course. He's the local people, like, stepping up, and it's always really heartening. Eventually, five ambulances from Rotterdam, Gouda. Is it Gouda like the cheese? How is it spelled? Like the cheese? G-O-U-D-A? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Gouda. Okay. Gouda. Yeah. And Utrecht, five total, not five from each city, were employed to shuttle the wounded to the hospital, and five city buses were converted to the task as well. The injured were taken to hospitals in... Ambulances? <laughs> Vorden and Utrecht, while the deceased were laid out in the... Burkerk, or the city neighborhood church in Utrecht. As the news of the disaster spread, radio and TV interrupted their broadcasts, flags were lowered to half-mast on government and train station buildings, and a day of national mourning was declared. The Queen of the Netherlands, Queen Juliana, I can pronounce that, was on a (laughs) skiing trip in Austria at the time, and she returned to the Netherlands to visit the disaster site, as well as to visit the injured in the hospital and the relatives of the victims in... Burkerk. However, despite this response, there was little aftercare for the victims. Since Pete really? Dykes, yeah, since Pete Dykstra was relatively unharmed, he was sent away from the disaster site. So, like, no. Although this is 1962, but so no psychological support. <clears throat> well, they're mm. definitely not doing that in 1962, but it's 
Oh my goodness. He went to a bar, drank a fl- few glasses of cognac. Yeah, okay, no, did. got it. And then took a train to work. Oh, he got that. back into a train. Probably oh. half hammered. The... He was back at work around 3 p.m. the same day. He said, quote, I would have called in. Listen to this. According to my boss, that was the best therapy to deal with this drama, end quote. And, and then they put, yay? Question mark. No, 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 no. No, I, I believe the best way to handle it was the glasses of cognac. Mm-hmm. And some cigarettes. Certainly understandable. And some weed and like whatever else you can get your hands on. Some pills. Yeah. I mean... I think I've said this before, but like, and I've said it more along the lines of if something happened to somebody I loved, I would just kind of want to be sedated for a while. Like, just knock me out for a bit. Um, but if something happened to me, I would feel the exact same way. Like, please, please, just, eh, I don't I don't need to be awake right now. Yeah. I don't need to be conscious right now. I haven't tried heroin, but I'm willing. Oh, my God. Uh, Coast was transported to the hospital where he stayed for about a week. He had some minor injuries like a sprained ankle and knee and bruised ribs, but he also lost his right ear. Oh, God. He said there was very little to no psychological support for the survivors and their families. Quote, the system was, put things into perspective, laugh about it, and carry on. (laughs) End quote. Oh, boy. This this is post-war Europe. I was just going to say... Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure how... Does it have these people's ages? It doesn't, does it? Uh, Coase was 28. Yes. Yeah, so he would not have been fighting in World War II. No, but um, he, he did would have say... He next... did reference the service. Uh-huh. Um, sure. So maybe he had served in the army. Like I'm not, sure he did. Yeah. Like, not during wartime, but... Right. But this is the... It sounds like most of these people might have been of the generation that was born... Like the baby boomer? Either during or World or War II or just before. Uh-huh. So there probably is a little bit, like, it's just like, hey, we've all been through worse. Yeah. You only lost an ear. Go have Mm. some cognac. Yeah. Yeah. And these are... I mean, these people's parents went through Nazi occupation. That's true. And psychology was still like... It doesn't... It doesn't... Early psychoanalysis. It barely exists anywhere in the world in 1962. Mm. So. So after Coase recovered and went home, he got an artificial ear attached to his glasses. Oh. So like a, a just a visual prosthetic. Sure. But his wife told him, quote, I like the way you look without an ear much better. End <laughs> quote. Aw. <laughs> uh, boy, yeah. That's... Uh, oh. Yeah, yeah, that just sounds horrible. All right. Invest- I, it, just, it just keeps reminding me of the scene in Reservoir Dogs. That's all. Oh, the ear part? Yeah. yeah. Oh. Uh, when when uh, you hey, don't think of hey what's going on did you, did you hear that <laughs> that's awful um, that's the Steelers wheel notorious mm-hmm. Steelers wheel yes. scene yeah all right since this was such a major disaster and since NS is government owned an investigation was conducted on March 29th a public inquiry was held by the Independent Railway Accident Council in the Amsterdam Town Hall. After hearing testimony from NS officials, the council conducted further research into the events leading up the disaster, to the disaster. Initially, the disaster was blamed on Vanderleer, who was driving the express train. Though this seems unfair, they had something of a basis for this. 
1961, the year before the disaster, there were 18 known cases of train drivers who passed a yellow or red signal. Hmm. Uh, Note, the original text of the report directly translates to, quote, an unsafe signal, end quote. So I'm not sure what the breakdown of the infractions were, right? Like, okay, who ran the, the yellow, who ran the red? There's a difference. The cause of these incidents were also investigated. Some drivers said that the signal had actually been green. Some said that they didn't think the signal was for their track. Similar to what happened with the Ladbroke Grove crash, I believe. Okay, well, you remember a lot better than we do, Ren. And others said that they didn't see the signal at all. Wow. So there's some issues with the signal seeing. Oh, I thought you were trying to pull it. Uh, The driver of the last train to go through the crossing before the accident, around 8.38 a.m., said that he had been able to see the signals just fine despite the fog. However, it's possible that the density of the fog in the area had changed in the half hour before the express train arrived. Most likely. Yeah, right? Further, looking specifically at the Harmelin train crossing, the council found that the intersection was quite busy. Once an hour, three trains crossed the junction within seven minutes which makes it seem as though something like this was bound to happen eventually. That's true. Even signals or no, right? Like somebody's going to miss a signal at some point. Since the investigation had shifted to the Harmelin crossing itself, the finger was next pointed at... Boy. Oh boy, I might be on my own for this one. What's that? Where is it? What's the word? Clock embossed. It's not on there. Oh. That's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. Uh, let's see. Yeah, Quackenbos. Quackenbos. The traffic controller. Oh, here we go. Quackenbos. Sure. Quackenbos. Sorry, I missed it there. <clears throat> so the council took into looked into whether the P713 signal, the one that should have been yellow for Vondelaire, was actually displaying green. Several witnesses vouched for... Who? Kvakenbos, <laughs> saying that he was good at his job and would not have made a mistake like that. Mm, that's tough. Just because someone's really good at their job doesn't mean they can't make a mistake. Well, I mean, everybody does. Yeah. yeah. Uh, da, da, da. His actions were further justified once it was revealed that there actually weren't any regulations to follow in the case of the delay of, of an express train. That's interesting. That is interesting. So well, they I'm sure there were. Some sort of guidance. I'm sure there were after this. Let's read on. I hope so. Ultimately, a report on the council's findings was published in January of the following year. The report confirmed that Vonderleer had passed the yellow signal without slowing down and chalked the disaster up to human error. Though, yeah. there, though there was an evidence to prove exactly what had happened, the report indicated that the fog had likely obscured the signal and made it impossible for him to stop on time. And they did say that, they, that he applied his brakes, but it was right. too late. It was too, yes, exactly. NS was faulted for the disaster and had to pay out to the families of the victims and injured. Fortunately, they had liability insurance, which covered up to 10 million guilders in payouts. Oh, is that their currency? That's I guess it Gilder? was. They're part of the, the Oh, EU yeah, that's now, right. But, um, liability insurance in Dutch is... Go for it. Uh Kings, Heids of Arisa King. It is Onsprakel Ayes Heids for... Zaykering. Yeah, that's exactly what I said. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love this. Why, y'all? Why you gotta do this? <laughs> yeah, that's... 
<clears throat> is there a vowel in that word at all? Yes. Ex- oh, two well, A's, yeah, there we go. A, an E, I. Well, we don't need to go. That. We don't need to go I-J-K. through them all. I J K. I J K. Only an Ish. Ish. Eek. Ike. Ike. Yeah, that Ike. makes sense. Ike Hyda's verse. Verzakering. Verzakering. The material damage to the trains and the, oh, I don't know why I'm showing you that. Mm. The material damage to the trains and tracks uh, of about 1.5 million guilders was paid by the NS itself, not the insurance. Well, I knew I was going to need to keep this really handy. Where's Kokos? Coe's Hawk. While Coe's Hawk was recovering, a group of doctors came by to examine Coe's and see if he was eligible for a payout from the government. Oh, my God. One of the questions they asked was, what? <laughs> have you been looking for your ear? Oh, my God. Did they find his ear? <laughs> no, I think they're intimating that he should have been lo- out looking for it. What? Uh, Coase explained that this was because he had to justify where his ear had gone. Well, who the fuck knows? He was in a train <laughs> what? accident. This is bizarre. Quote, it was is such a... Is, t- is that an American insurance company? Like, what are we, what are we dealing with here? <laughs> this is Blue Cross Blue Shield. Yeah, no shit. Um, we are not sliding off Blue Cross Blue Shield. They're all equally horrible. Yeah. All right. Uh, quote, it was such a time, so official, so professional... Tact was not considered important at all. End quote. That was Coase. For his injuries, Coase ultimately received 4,500 guilders from the NS. He said he used it to buy a Volkswagen Beetle and a radio. Apparently, as of a 2002 interview, the radio still worked. Okay. <laughs> have you been looking for your ear? Like, have you really been like, looking I, hard? I, I thought they meant in the sense that, like, we found it. Oh, you know, <laughs> here it is. Here's... No, I think they meant like, what? But did you try? Yeah. Did you, did you give it an honest effort in the middle of a fucking? Oh, my God. In, in, in the middle of mangled fucking. I mean, the one looks like it looks like oh, a the pictures. Yeah, it pictures. looks like a prop from like uh, like a fucking Godzilla movie or some shit. The one this one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it just looks like it God. got stepped on. But where's the ear? Yeah. Let's look you, for the you ear. see it? Coast, did you look yeah. for your ear hard enough? I don't know. Oh, my God. Another result of the investigation was the acceleration of the introduction of the automatic train control system. Ah. This system ensures that a train automatically <clears throat> slows down and eventually stops if a driver does not respond to a signal. Whew. The council mandated that implementation of the system had to start by January 1st, 1964. NS committed to having all routes where trains traveled at a continuous speed of 100 kilometers an hour, 62 miles per hour or more, had to be equipped with the control system by January 1st, 1971. However, because of various delays, oh boy, the system was not fully operational until about 1989. That that complete because it takes a long time to roll. Well, out. let's also think about what we're talking about. We're talking about automatic sensors. It's a pretty sophisticated system for on trains in uh-huh. a time where computers barely exist yeah. and that's what's that's what's gonna have to control this thing yeah so yeah we only now have that on cars in like the last 10 years hmm. you know yeah mm-hmm. remember mine went off that one day 
when I was getting off the exit or something, the the collision oh, system yeah. went off. It yeah. was really scary. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't scared. I was just... I was not expecting it. I wasn't so expecting I was, it yeah. either, but I was like, I saw what was about to happen, so I wasn't needing it. Gotcha. But, uh, yeah, because the person in front of you, like, really slowed down right, very yes. quickly. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I was like, oh, I guess I do have a collision warning <laughs> yes. system in here. <laughs> After all this, Pete... Pete Dykstra, so the controller, Mm -hmm. quit his job and applied for a job as a train driver. He was hired and continued to work for NS until his retirement. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Finally, the Harmelin Crossing, along with many others, were reconstructed to have a flyover crossing instead of a ground crossing. Basically a bridge or like one of those cloverleaf (laughs) setups Mm -hmm. you see on the highway, but for trains. Basically just taking out the possibility that two trains are going to interact. You're not going to be on the same level. Exactly. Yeah. The one at the Harmelin Crossing was constructed in the 1990s. So it was still like it was for like almost 30 years, but... In 2012, a monument was erected near the site of the disaster, which I imagine is what this oh, is. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, oh, there's the guy's ear. It's part of the monument. <laughs> no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Designed by artist Taika de Jong. Taika de Jong. Taika de Jong. Uh, the monument is made of two stone slabs inscribed with the names of the victims. The stones are made in a sort of pinched rectangle shape meant to mimic the twisting of the train cars. Ooh. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. In front of in front and in between them is a small red stone plinth. Yep. Oh, I don't know what a plinth is. What is a plinth? Okay. With a body on it like a column mm-hmm. that represents the victims. Unfortunately, oh, three names on the slab were originally spelled incorrectly since the spellings were based on handwritten police reports. Oh, but they have since been corrected. That's good. Looking between the two stone slabs directs your gaze to the site of the disaster. Oh, wow. So between there mm-hmm. is, the, is the site. Pete Dykstra planned to be at the dedication of the monument, not only to remember the event and the victims, but also for a more personal reason. He wanted to return to the bar where he drank those three cognacs on the day of the disaster because he'd forgotten to pay his tab. Oh. And that, my friends... I'm going to guess they forgave him. ...was the well-told story, not by me, by by Ren, of the Harmelin train disaster. We don't... I didn't write it anywhere. Sorry. Okay. I'm just going to have to remember I'm just going to have to remember. Harmelin... There we go. ...train disaster. Well done, Ren. That was so good. It's funny. Harmelin is actually spelled, like, phonetically. Yeah, basically. I thought, it would be, I thought there'd be a K, a J, and a G in there Right? Somewhere. I just want to say this one more time. On Sprockelike hides for Zakering. Yeah, I'm not even gonna try it again. But that, that's. <laughs> but that, that did was... you did you notice the the statue though? Oh, oh, I don't. The, uh, the reconstructed. No, where's the the statue? Oh, picture. Oh. That's what is it? It's a, like a mangled body. It's oh. really weird. Oh, it is. Yeah. The body, yeah. I don't know if that was somebody. Yeah. That's... Well. That's, I mean, it's very. It's a bit frank. of a shocking memorial, but uh. It's uh very frank, so. I'm not saying it's an actual body, in case somebody, no, no, in case no, it's I. Like a, a it's a statue, sculpture. sculpture of a. What, mangled body. Of what probably some people wound up oh, looking like. After weird. that. That's awful, but <clears> such <throat> well done research. Very good, Ren. Thank yes, you so absolutely. much. Absolutely. Wow. 
Yeah, I think th this is only our second train crash, isn't it? I think it is. I'm pretty sure Ladbroke Grove is the only other one we did. I do not recall. I don't either. <laughs> After 171 episodes, I guess you just completely blank out the rest of them. <laughs> For the most part. One can only retain so much horror. Yeah, there's that, there's that too. But, uh... Yeah, I mean, the Netherlands is certainly a place I've always wanted yes, to visit. same. Um, 20 years ago, I wanted to visit there specifically so I could go smoke weed, but we don't need to do that anymore. We can go to Vegas for that. We no. can just go to D.C. That's true. Because <laughs> it's never... Well, we can't go anywhere no, right we can't. now, no. but... No. But, yeah. So. I wonder how well. the Netherlands has dealt with uh, COVID. Oh, no. Like every single country, I'm guessing if you, I'm guessing if you don't hear from a country if they've done poorly, then I guess that means they've done well, or at least no worse. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's only a handful of countries that have done as bad or worse than we have. That's true. Like us, Brazil, and us in developing nations, basically. Even developing nations are kind of getting yeah. it. Yeah. And you can kind of call us at this point a fucking developing nation. Uh, we're we're sliding that way. <laughs> yeah. We are sliding that way. That's for sure. But, uh, yeah, yeah. just the, the speeds that trains can go, especially mm -hmm. now. Like, have you seen, like, video of what, like, the, um, bullet train type? Yes, the ones that they have in either Japan or China. I haven't specifically seen. They They're over 100 miles per fuck, hour, right? I think some of them go over 200. They Jeez. fucking fly. Like those super fast trains. Yes. Because the, they'll show it. Like I've seen some videos. This guy I used to work with had like a fascination with trains. I'm That's guessing cute. I'm guessing he's one of the people that collected like the train. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And like went to specific spots when a certain type of oh, train, train was yes yeah. was gonna be uh -huh. there. He struck me as maybe that's what he was into. Just and a that's, train nerd. That's, that's fine. Cool. But he he showed me some videos of these high speed trains, and it's like you're looking at three different camera angles in one. Okay. You're looking at the like the. Angle from the on? cockpit. Oh, okay. Then you're looking at like a satellite video image. Uh huh. And then you're looking at like an image of where it's coming in okay. from, and it's just you don't see anything, and then all of a sudden just, just a right, flash right through the frame. <laughs> uh huh. And it's just like holy shit! It's like how fucking fast is yeah. that thing going? Well, because we don't have any good um relation to like how fast planes go. Planes we go incredibly no, fast. Yes, they do. They go faster than trains. That's for sure. Yes, Even super. They go Fast. faster than sound, some of them. Yes. Um, so we don't have a great grasp on the how fast we're going in some of these modes of transport. Or even just like when you're going in 70 a down a highway. Yeah. That's like I drive fucking 80, fast. I drive 85 on the interstate and I'm just like, yeah. Oh, please slow down a little bit. 80. No, I'm, I'm in the fast lane. No, it doesn't fucking matter. It is. You got to keep no. up. I'm, I'm rolling along with traffic. No. I, I was not in the fast lane today because I had your car, but. <laughs> well, maybe you need to drive my car more no, then. No, no, I do not. Uh, yeah, you were a little pissed when I asked you to take my car this morning. I wasn't pissed. Just I was for the just children. Like, I know, but you know the children, they get enough. You're like, can't you just walk? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not that far. The kids have like fucking blankets and little nighty night bags. Yeah, they're fine. It, yeah. They're fine. I would have been the one that had to carry it all. 
can you walk? <laughs> I was still fully awake yet. And I just, all I knew was that I was going to have to take your car to work, not mine. That's <laughs> that all. That alone put you in a really bad mood, I could tell. It's not a bad mood, just like, just like a what the fuck. That's like why mother, I texted you. Like a motherfucker, what the fuck. That's why I texted you, because I had to be like, I can't believe I'm having to say, oh, thank you for leaving me your car <laughs> to drive your niece and nephew safely back home. But, but you could have just walked to. They, literally, it's a 10-minute walk. <laughs> <laughs> um, I suppose you also figured out what they were going to have for breakfast and made the smoothie and did yeah, all that stuff. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, you did. Well, I had, yeah. I had to you know, go to work earlier than you did, so I didn't get a chance to do those things. And I would have done them. Maybe. <laughs> yes, I would. I would have made them. Yes, I would have. No, you wouldn't have. I would have made them breakfast. You would have get, You would have done what? I would have given them fruit. You, you would have done what yeah. Danny ended up doing. You would have given them a, a granola bar. He did eat a granola bar. Oh, well, sure. So. There you go. <laughs> breakfast of champions. We also watched the middle third of Mighty Ducks, oh, too. Oh, God. <laughs> was, was it again any better than the... Than the in the first, oh, uh, yes. in the first act. So we discussed why Coach Bombay, why all of the kids were sad or mad at Coach Bombay. Oh, and it's because he was selling out. Danny correctly identified that. He said that he was getting caught up and getting rich, and that's why he oh. slicked his hair back. Um, and then there was a, a scene that, in retrospect, is is not exactly appropriate for 2020, in that they all kind of reconnected to the meaning of teamwork by. Uh, <laughs> Playing with a street hockey, uh, ethnic street hockey team, <laughs> meaning like in typical like '90s white fashion, like they they reconnected with their roots by uh, connecting with black kids who taught them what it really meant to be a team on the street. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean Rocky had to go through that too. You know? It's so funny how awkward '90s movies I are. Thought the, now. I thought the funniest part of that movie, and it's not something I would have picked up on like the one time I saw it in 1994, <laughs> mm-hmm. was when they were playing Trinidad and Tobago. Tobago, <laughs> and they and score. They, like, they score. Drugs. They score a goal. And they all like are they play Jamaican music and are playing or I not guess Trinidadian. Jama- I was gonna say it's not uh, even Jamaican. And like steal drums and shit. And I was like, oh my god, this is so awkward. <laughs> oh, and then there was the kid Mendoza. Oh, he's from mm-hmm. Miami. And then they play like. Yes, that's the kid that like, couldn't stop. Latin music yeah. behind it. And it was just like, oh my god, could you be more awkward and stereotypical? Well, it's kind of funny because your the, film making choices. Because at the time in 1994, it's like there are not um, up and coming amateur players coming from Miami or mm. Texas or California or. But mm-hmm. 26 years later, yeah. That's absolutely the case. Oh, Florida's pipeline now, yeah. Hell yes. Mm-hmm. For amateur hockey? Big time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Florida. Mm-hmm. I said that correctly. Because mm-hmm. all the... All, <laughs> or, everyone, you, or you uh, heard that correctly. Everyone retires there. Yes, all no the No state old... income tax. Nope. Oh, hey, by the way, um, Abby found me out. I'm considering starting a new podcast float it out there to anyone who has lasted through this banter you're clearly a hardcore fan so you can you have earned the right to chime in um i'm thinking about doing a podcast about taxes and i know that sounds super boring but it wouldn't be super boring i'd figure out how to make it not i'm thinking of calling it tax rant yeah i like that should you be involved or should it just be me 
I, what am I going to offer? <laughs> I mean, Snappy really, comebacks? About taxes? I, I don't, if you did like something, like you had the little stick figures thing. Yes, that's Twitter visual. Feed. I guess if I you kind did of like a, if you did it in a history sort of sense, which I think actually makes it way more interesting. Drunk there, tax history? Horror. Well, because there is a history to taxation, obviously. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, and a lot of it... Completely tied up with And our... a lot of it early on revolves around famous events that happened. You know, so... Yeah, there's history. And there's also just... I don't think that people... Sorry, mini... Mini tax rant. I don't think people understand how much of our life is literally tied up in the U.S. tax code. It's well, a little ridiculous. Unless you're a billionaire, then that means oh, none then, of it is. Well, that's another thing that came up recently uh, that kind of spurred this idea on. Um, but anyway, so if anyone has made it this far and thinks they might be interested, feel free to just let me know. Otherwise, I might let it die. I haven't decided yet. And speaking of letting it die. Oh, geez. Well, no, I was just going to say this episode. Oh, this episode. Okay. Not the... I would not make a joke about the victims. Mm. So that, the poor guy with that, that ear story is going to stay with me for a while. Yeah, that is kind of, yeah, that's really fucked up. Poor coast. And it probably was Blue Cross Blue Shield <laughs> that asked him that question. So that was the Harmelin train collision. Train disaster, I think we're going to call it. Train disaster, mm-hmm. yeah. I think, I think so. The Harmelin train disaster. This has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. And we'll see you next week.